And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to the Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh. With me as always, Mr. Zachary Ancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing. Or just pure rubbish. Like that pause? That was for a fact. <laughs> All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. I want to be your sledgehammer. I believe it. Yeah. I had seen that cover in the morning. And then when I got your text, I was like, you couldn't afford to be my sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch the Harry Styles cover? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had seen it in the morning. Oh, dude, so good. He's yes. very talented. It's a- I, uh, yeah, I was, I was very impressed with him. <laughs> yeah, he sounded great. It was pretty awesome, but I don't know. I'm not a huge Peter Gabriel fan, but then I just decided to start listening to, to random Peter Gabriel stuff. And then I got a boom box and I held it over my head. <laughs> so. Yeah, He's, there's a certain part in his songs where he just starts making like tribal noises and monkey yeah. jungle noises and stuff. Very much like a Phil Collins-esque sort of thing, you know? Like out of nowhere, he'll just be like, wow. <laughs> like it's like that fucking seagull in Little Mermaid. He's just like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and you're like, what are you doing, guy? You had this awesome song, and then you ruin it with these noises. So, Peter <laughs> what are you doing, guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you always gotta turn it down. And in the '80s, they didn't end songs; they faded out. And yeah. so you hear these jungle noises, this this ambient jungle sound. Fade out. That's how he does things. I don't think Peter Gabriel sang that song. I know, but I was just thinking of Andy from The Office. <laughs> he has this one song. I don't remember what it's called. It's like, like Games Without Frontiers or something like that. I don't remember, but... He just starts naming all these kids. <laughs> He's like, Lottie plays with Jack and, and Doris plays with so-and-so. <laughs> it's like, that's not very hard. That's not very creative. I could do that. <laughs> I know. I wish I knew the lyrics because it sounds like I'm a crazy person. Um, hold, please. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, yeah. So he's like, Hans plays with Lottie. Lottie plays with Jane. Jane plays with Willie. Willie is happy again. <laughs> Suki plays with Leo. Sasha plays with Brit. Adolf builds a bonfire. Enrico plays with it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the words. Okay. And he goes, it's a knockout. <laughs> sounds like uh sounds like a Grammy winning song. <laughs> I think it might have done pretty well. Cause then it's like, if looks could kill, they probably will. In games without frontiers, wars without tears. <laughs> and it gets all deep and it's interesting. Yeah. Hans plays with Lottie. That's that, that uh it's that Depeche Mode vibe, man. It's that right. 80s weirdness. Yeah, right. He Fucking couldn't weirdness, touch, dude. Couldn't touch Depeche Mode. <laughs> Holy smokes. They are the best. He couldn't even buy front row tickets to their concert. No. <laughs> Not even close. Oh, He's got yeah. like Shock the Monkey. That's a Peter Gabriel. Mm-hmm. 
the Salisbury yeah. Hill or whatever. That's oh yeah, I like that one. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah. He's got a few bangers. <laughs> they can't all be bangers, as they say. I like Salisbury Hill. Look. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was in like the Finding Dory trailer. And I immediately wanted to watch the movie because I was just captivated by the music. I've actually never seen Finding Dory. It was fun. Yeah. I had a lot going be. for it with that trailer. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. <laughs> so anyway, I remember when that song came on, I got really homesick because you know I'd been living in in Washington for a while and hadn't seen any family. And then, you know, there's a part in the song where he's like, uh, you know, grab your things. I've come to take you home. And I'm like, I want to go home. (laughs) I got really (laughs) sad. That's another song that has jungle sounds. (laughs) It's like a trumpet. It's like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can see the city light. Um, yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, it totally reminded me. Of it, and I got really homesick and I was sad. Uh-huh. And then there's this Dory fish trying to find her way home. And, and, and she I can't was, remember. She it can't was remember. too much. I couldn't take it. It was sensory overload. And I got sad. <laughs> Stranger danger. Yes. Well, I believe oh, you, yeah. me. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. We're about 10 minutes into It's going to be a lot of editing on my part. <laughs> You know what, though? I don't have much to say about the movie that we're going to be talking about, so it's okay. Interesting. Yes. But what have you been watching? So I just decided to put on Deadpool 2 for some reason, not the first one, uh, because it'd been a while since I'd seen the second one, and um, I enjoyed it. I remember it not being as good as the first Deadpool, but I really enjoyed it. And actually, I think that's where my Peter Gabriel uh, uh, craze came from, I guess you could call it, because he plays uh, In Your Eyes. Uh, oh yeah in in that he like holds a little cell phone with a boom box and he tries to get colossal to come down <laughs> it's kind of funny and, and then ricky butler's in it or yeah. ricky baker ricky rather. Baker, uh, fire. he's like i'm fire fist and he's like i can't even say it i'm sorry <laughs> and even the, even vanessa's like it's a terrible name <laughs> it's yeah. so funny um yeah there, there's some funny moments in it and i, I really enjoyed it but uh, i watched matilda actually that was on stars and i love that movie we were talking about that earlier, too. It's only 92 minutes. Uh, Danny DeVito's fantastic in it. Rhea Perlman's fantastic in it. Um, everybody. It's just a, it, it brings back all the memories. Um, and then I watched the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It is on Netflix. And it's funny because it says Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And it says the original. Oh, <laughs> I know. I was like, whoa. So it's the live action one, obviously, which I never really liked as much as the second one. But it's still really goddamn good. And then I watch Scream. Wait, you like two? But you like Secret like of Who's better than the original? It holds a special place in my heart oh, for two. I know. Um, plus, it has ninja, ninja, rap, ninja. <laughs> so it's not a pro. It's the best. <laughs> it's a green machine going to rock the house without being seen. Have you ever seen oh, a turtle man. get down? Because I, I have. sure haven't. <laughs> <laughs> it was going. Times. It was going. And then I went to the movie theater and I saw Scream. Um, I it was cool. I saw it in Dolby Cinema or whatever, where <laughs> it's it's kind of gimmicky, like, but they had the reclining seat, so that was neat. And then they had these awesome speakers on the side, and so it was like vibrating at certain sounds. And there were p- parts, Justin, that I got pretty nervous. I was by myself, and I'm like, Ooh. so I enjoyed the hell out of that, but. Um, it was a very okay movie, in my opinion, and I love Scream, so 
it is what it is. We spent a lot of time talking about that before. So, uh, but what did you watch? I watched all kinds of things, including my favorite movie, Interstellar, again, <laughs> even though I watched it last week. I had to do it again. I'm like, nope, this time, this time, this time, this time. I'm gonna like it. Uh, then I watched. I had a bit of a heist afternoon on on Sunday. I watched Reservoir Dogs and I watched The Town. Nice. Uh, I watched. I'm all caught up on the Book of Bubba Fett, and I also saw Scream in the Motion Picture Show, and or the cinema rather. And uh, yeah, I saw it by myself, and I got scared pretty bad at one part. <laughs> It was like my nightmare, and I'm just like, oh, I don't like this. And like, I had the same piece of popcorn in my mouth for like, like three Gross. minutes. <laughs> Gross. I'm it's just like, popcorn oh, at that point. I can't, I can't swallow this popcorn right now. I'm too scared. If you would have heard like the gulp, if I would have swallowed, it was, I was scared. Were you laughing at all? Yeah, I laughed a lot. <laughs> oh, and it's man. not even a funny movie, but no. I, was, I was laughing. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, it still, it was a fun experience. I went to a, a, a more like a matinee showing because I went on Monday when I had the day off and there were maybe 10 people in the theater, but it was awesome. It just made the experience a lot better. So yeah, yeah. it was, um, it had some moments, man. Uh, I definitely recommend everyone go check it out, but I got issues. I got more issues than New York Times. So. Ooh, that's a lot. <laughs> All right. So this week we're going to do another new movie. We're going to do The Last Duel which is technically a 2021 film. It was in theaters for about the length of the movie, and then it went away. More like The uh, Last Dull. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, you got uh, you got some, some funniness in you there, kid. <laughs> smart as a quip. I learned from the best. <laughs> so it was written and directed by one Ridley Scott, who you might know from Alien, Gladiator, Blade Runner, Black Hawk Down, and Thelma and Louise. One of my favorites. The cast includes, you got the Matt Mullet Damon. You got <laughs> Jodie Comer, Adam Driver, who plays, what is his name? Sexy like, man, Jacques, Jacques Legree. Jacques LaRape, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And then you got Ben Affleck, who's Pierre. Uh, Harriet Walter and Alex Lothar. This, uh, quite the cast. None of them French, I don't think. Nope. <laughs> A few, a few Brits, and then some Bostonians. So, <laughs> former Brits. <laughs> uh, critical reception isn't too bad. It's actually well received. This movie, The Last Duel, is an eighty-six percent. That's insane. On the old Rotten Tomato meter, there. So that's not half bad. Then the audience score is eighty-one percent. So this is one of those times where just the the critics and the audience and the stars are aligned. Almost. It did make $5 at the box office. Uh, I think, yeah, I think it was like $10 million. $10 million. Oh, we'll get into it. I don't remember what it was, but it was not kind at the box office. Uh, but let's see here. Reviews, mostly mostly overwhelmingly positive here. There was just Dorothy Wooden from British Columbia. She says, witness the abject failure of Ridley Scott's The Last Duel. We can't blame the poor old millennials this time. The film was terrible. It is the <laughs> Devon of films. And I'm not even talking about the ridiculous mullets and Ben Affleck playing himself. Wow. Not kind. Not kind indeed. Dorothy is not a fan. Then uh, Mara Reinstein from US Weekly says, a layered <clears throat> if uneasy watch. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, David Stratton from the Australian says, The Last Duel is a big screen experience if ever there was one, and for the most part, a pretty impressive one. So we'll leave it at that. Okay. Not too shabby. Uh, the budget was $100 million. Oof. That's a lot of quiche. Uh, gross. <laughs> okay, here we go. So in the United States and Canada, it grossed $10.8 million. That is rough. <laughs> oh, Opening man. weekend was $4.7 million. That was October 17th of 2021. My goodness. So... That was that was right after the Bond movie because I know we saw mm-hmm. Bond like on whatever like the eighth or something like that. Mm-hmm. So a week later, uh, you have you have this movie. I mean, I would take Daniel Craig over over the mullet any <laughs> the day of the week over but Jason Bourne. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I love Matt Damon. I mean, honestly, I like a lot of his movies, and I, I keep watching him in Interstellar, so I feel like I know the man. And then, and you know, he's not playing the same part as he is in The Martian. <laughs> Two different movies, but both <laughs> I know. Um, and then uh, worldwide, you're looking at $30.5 million, which is not terribly impressive on a $100 million budget. Yeah. So. And it, I mean, we watched it on streaming right? on HBO Max. It came out this weekend, and that's like three months, less than three months after it, it was in theaters. So that was a very quick turnaround for this film. I think your quote was, yeah, it came out five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we were trying to figure out what to watch for this episode. And I was just checking out the HBO and and I saw that and I was like, no way. Let's watch this. <laughs> I did want to watch this movie, but I was waiting until it's streaming. So that's I was blown away that it came out that soon. I'm like, Jesus, October yeah. 17th. And it's, you know, January 17th is when it came. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's like, holy buckets, man. That's yeah. crazy. Stuff. I was on board. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, it's it's rare for me to miss a Ridley Scott movie in theaters. I, I tend to check them all out. And, sure. and this one just didn't. I mean, with the pandemic, I was very picky and choosy about what I saw. Um, I think that in in the last year, I think the only movies I've seen are are were Bond, uh, Dune, Spider-Man and Scream. So four movies in the last 12 months. Yeah, it's pretty good. And they're all those are all big movies, too. Yeah, like very big IPs. Uh, fun, some fun trivia facts for you. Matt Damon, he struggled to grow facial hair, so the makeup department had to try out 20 different beards to apply to his face. He reportedly got a skin rash underneath the stuck-on beard, which was so irritating that he had to be treated with ice packs after every scene while shooting the movie. It's too bad he couldn't grow a mullet, because then they would have had to figure something else out for that. <laughs> so, um, originally, the writers of the project, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, were to play the two leading roles in the film. However, Adam Driver was cast in taking over the leading role from Affleck, who stepped aside into a supporting role instead. The reason for the change was to avoid a scheduling conflict with production of Adrian Lin's Deep Water, which came out this year, 2022, which I think is like a Netflix joint or something like that. And uh, I think that was a I mean, I think it's Ana de Armas and Ben Affleck, uh, and it just kind of came out of nowhere. There was zero uh, publicity for it, though, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so many felt the other uh, reason for the film's lack of success at the box office was because Disney put minimal effort into advertising the movie. This seems to hold true for a lot of the films uh, that they inherited from the 20th Century Fox merger and were contractually obliged to release. Yeah, I yeah, didn't even think I, about that. Yeah, and you know what's funny is I didn't really start seeing previews for it until it was just about to come out. Exactly. You know I mean, like I, I had no idea what it was. All of a sudden, I see 
I see medieval times on my TV with, with the mullets, <laughs> and I'm like, what is this movie again? Uh, I had no idea what was happening. Oh, the last dumb. But, <laughs> right. So the quote-unquote little death is mentioned several times in this movie. La petite mort is an expression which means the brief loss or weakening of consciousness and modernly is used for the sensation of post-orgasm as likened to death. Although this story plays in the 14th century, the earliest written attested use in English was 1572. So, and I I picked up on that. I was like, what do they mean the little death? But I'm like, oh yeah, the O face. Show your O face. Yeah. Oh, Oh, <laughs> this guy knows what I'm talking about. Oh. <laughs> One of 2021's most notorious flops. Yikes. <laughs> this only earned $9 million on its opening weekend. It's actually $10 million. On its opening weekend against a budget in excess of $100 million. Uh, Ridley Scott took issue with this in later interviews, citing modern audiences' lack of interest in intellectual films over comic book movies. The fact that the film was developed largely for older audiences, the type who typically stay away from the cinemas during the height of a pandemic, was probably a mitigating factor in the film's underperformance. Sure. It's sound logic, but I I think there's we'll get into some of that later. (laughs) Probably a less dickish way of of communicating that message. (laughs) My God, I know. These fucking asshole kids would get off their phones. Jeez Louise. The millennials are like 40 years old now, right? Like in their 30s and 40s. I'm a millennial. Like, yeah. dude, are you kidding me? I love these kind of movies. So uh, this is a film synopsis. So again, this is a spoiler review and a spoiler episode. If you have not seen The Last Duel, uh, stop the podcast now. Bookmark it. Go to HBO Max. Set aside two and a half goddamn hours to watch and watch it. It, it, it goes, goes by pretty quick, quick. though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a, it was a it was a quick 2.5. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I, I was blown away at how fast the movie felt for me. Not it slows lie. down quite a bit during those rape scenes and it's a very uncomfortable time. So that's yeah, all I will that's a, say. That's a long five minutes. I do not like those parts. Yeah. So <clears throat> the film is split into three chapters, each dealing with the perspectives of Jean de Carouge, Jacques Legree, and Marguerite de Carouge. After serving in the Caroline War, French noble Jean de Carouge is and his squire Jacques Legree sw- uh, swear fealty to Count Pierre de, de Alencon, uh, who has been named Jean's overlord by King Charles VI. Jacques later tells G- uh, Jean that Pierre has tasked him with collecting war levies, agreeing to ask for leniency on Jean's behalf when his brother-in-arms explains he lacks the funds. To restore his finances, Jean marries Marguerite de uh, Thibaville, receiving a large dowry and the rights to many valuable estates. Pierre, however, has already gifted one key estate to Jacques. When Jean takes the matter before King Charles, the king dismisses the suit. Pierre retaliates by appointing Jacques to captaincy of a fort that the Carouge family had held for generations. Jean's marriage becomes strained due to Marguerite's failure to conceive a child, while Jacques wins Pierre's trust and earns a position at court by using his accounting knowledge to organize the Count's finances. The two men later reconcile at a festival where Jacques becomes smitten with Marguerite after she befriends him in an attempt to win favor. Jacques misinterprets this as a reciprocation of his affections and suspects that she does not love Jean. Following a military campaign in Scotland that leaves him knighted for his efforts, but still bankrupt, Jean sets off for Paris to collect money. While Jean is away, his mother takes the servants to help her with errands, leaving Marguerite alone. Jacques later visits and tricks his way into the chateau, haughtily proclaiming his love. 
When he ignores Marguerite's orders to leave, she attempts to flee from his advances only for him to chase her to her room where she or which he misinterprets as her inviting him to have sex. And he violently rapes her before ordering her not to tell her husband. Upon Jean's return, she tells him what happened. After violently questioning whether she is telling the truth, Jean becomes convinced that Jacques raped Marguerite to insult him specifically and insists that Marguerite immediately have sex with him so that Jacques will not be the last man to knew last man that knew her. Jesus Christ. Ugh. So yeah, that was, I don't, that was edgy, dude. I fucking hate it. <laughs> oh, I'm so angry. So anyways, Pierre informs Jacques that Jean is accusing him of raping Marguerite, which he denies. Despite the Count's attempt to exert his authority, Jean appeals his case directly to King Charles and requests a duel to the death. Jacques accepts the challenge. Marguerite's friend abandons her, believing her to be lying to cover up an affair due to her due to her having previously remarked on Jacques' handsomeness. While Jean's mother later insists Marguerite drop her accusations and abide by any consequences, so her son might be spared uh, court's judgment, citing a previous occasion in her youth when she herself was raped. At Jacques', at Jacques trial six months later, a now-pregnant Marguerite remains resolute that she is telling the truth. While the court implies that Jacques is the father of the child, Charles VI grants Jean's request for, for a duel to the death. Marguerite confronts Jean for not telling her she would be burned alive if she failed or if he failed. Marguerite gives birth to her son days before the duel takes place. The duel begins with Jean and Jacques jousting until both men lose their mounts and fight hand to hand. Jean is stabbed, but eventually manages to pin down Jacques. He demands that Jacques confess or face damnation, but Jacques claims his innocence, genuinely believing he did not rape her. Jean kills him. Jean basks in the glory of his victory while Marguerite follows quietly behind. Meanwhile, Jacques' body is stripped, dragged through the streets, and hung upside down publicly. A textual epilogue reveals Jean died fighting in the Crusades a few years later while Marguerite continued managing his estate, living in peace for the remaining 30 years of her life and never marrying again. Whew. That was the last duel, and it is a very intense read. <laughs> Holy shit. So, um, I mean, kind of already answered this, but when did you first see the last duel, and what were your thoughts? I saw it just a couple days ago. I watched it on Saturday, Saturday morning, and uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Wow, that's that was a... my immediate my immediate takeaway was I was surprised that I enjoyed it as much as I did. And once I saw that it was broken up into uh, versions of the truth and each one, each person having their side of the story, that's when I got really invested, uh, you know, watching um, Matt Damon's side of the story first. I was like, oh man, I can't wait to see what Adam Driver's version of this is. <laughs> and then um, obviously, eventually we get uh, Marguerite's. And what's cool about hers is the the word, the truth lingers on the title card, which I thought was interesting. I'm like, oh, okay. So this is what really happened, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, it's like a, it's like the clue ending, <laughs> except yeah. at the, the beginning sort of thing. <laughs> exactly. So That's, um, uh, I, I enjoyed it. I, I liked I hadn't seen something like that in a long time. So uh, it was it felt like a, a fun refresher, especially coming from a Ridley Scott movie, who, which I enjoy a lot of his films. But that um, was fun to see something a little bit different. Still, and, still Ridley Scott, but a little bit different. It's quite the sense. Saturday morning viewing. Oh, I know. I was holding Henry the whole time. Man. Yeah. It's um interesting, but I also watched it. So I watched it a uh, Sunday, I think, and <clears throat> or one of those nights. And yeah, it was Sunday. I I was a little late because I was watching football, and I'm like, Jesus, two and a half hours. But I know I needed to watch it because I needed to write the document. <laughs> so it was a 
it was a lot, man. And ultimately, um, I can appreciate a lot in this film from a from a cinematic standpoint, but I just could not get into it. Um, I, I was invested into things, but I just felt so gross and I hated Adam Driver and I hated Matt Damon, their characters. <laughs> I, I hated everyone who was saying, oh, you can only get pregnant if you have pleasure. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, I know. It was, it was driving me bananas. It was driving me bananas. And it's I am a just, scientific fact. <laughs> oh, God. Men are the worst. Oh, I know. So it was, um, it was, it was a rough watch and it's, it wasn't an enjoyable viewing experience for me. With that being said, I can look at things and, and appreciate fantastic performance performances and set pieces and just everything the the composition of the film was just so beautiful so they did a they did a really good job with that sense i mean ridley scott is a, a good like renaissance medieval epic uh, director right he knows how to direct that style so mm-hmm. so i i did like the the combat i thought the combat was pretty brutal holy shit the combat um, liked, was awesome <laughs> yeah i like the weapons i like the armor i like the castles I, everything about it just that really well with me every once in a while I'm, I'm not like a sucker for for period pieces i usually not and i don't enjoy them all that much but i was on board for this one i was just in the right mood you know it was like seven in the morning on a saturday i was up i i ate a hu- uh, like a, a cupcake and and i had uh dr pepper <laughs> ready to go i got I had a little baby boy in my arms i'm like all right kid let's do this <laughs> And I, I was ready to go. And then 930 rolled around. I was like, fuck, that was crazy. <laughs> I, I, I kind of wanted to watch it again, to be honest with you, which Oof. which was weird because uh, there aren't too many movies that after I watch it, I immediately want to watch it again. And I was telling Alex, I was like, man, I watched the last duel this morning. That was pretty good. Let's check it out. I'll watch it again if you want to watch it. <laughs> so, yeah, Fascinating. I, I, I had positive uh, thoughts after it was over. But because there are three versions of the truth, I thought it would be fun to just kind of rewatch it again, just to just to kind of pick up on on the subtle differences. I know that as I was watching it and each new version happened, I was able to pick up on what was different, mainly with the attitudes of the characters, you know, and uh, but I thought it would just be fun to watch it one more time. I think that's I think that's a valid point, because unless you're like an eagle eye viewer and and you knew, I mean, I seeing the different stories, you could obviously tell little little uh, nuances in, in them and the perspectives. And so that was really neat, like how Matt Damon thought that he was like God's gift and, yeah. and, and just 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 a good a good guy to his wife who he loved dearly. And, you know, when he arrives after being in Scotland and in his version, he came over and bowed his head and embraced her. But in her version, her version, he just walked right away from yeah, her. And her chest was a little exposed and he's all yeah. calling her a harlot. And how yeah. dare you? You're embarrassing me and all this other stuff. And oh, yeah, he was like a knight in shining armor in his version. He was his best self in his story. In his version, he was literally his best self. Like he was going in yeah. the Matrix with the black leather coat and the black glasses and looking all good, looking like a superstar. And he is obviously a terrible person by by her uh, standards. So okay. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, well, that. let's uh, let's shake this up then, because we're already start talking about it. We're going to jump to question number eight to start out. Oh, I'm sorry. So so no, it's, it's totally fine. Uh, so like like we're saying, the film's narrative structure, it, it focuses on these three different nuanced perspectives that tell the exact same story for the most part. And so this was this was effective, effective for you, correct? It wasn't distracting or anything. It was. I, I thought it made it a lot more fun uh, if it was just sort of a, a soap opera in a linear approach, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it as much, but it was kind of like a detective story in a way, you know, like we're, we're watching this 
story unfold. I like the the eyewitness testimony and and everyone's uh, recount and telling of the truth. I think this is interesting. And and we were talking about this a couple of days ago with like, you know, the Kennedy assassination and all these witnesses hearing some person heard, you know, five gunshots, another person heard 10 gunshots, one person heard one gunshot. And it's, and everyone's version of the truth is always a little bit different. And I particularly like how everyone's version uh, in particular has their best self present, you know, like uh, Matt, like you were saying, Matt Damon thought he was God's gift to earth and he was just this, this knight in shining armor, like, yeah, I can do no wrong and I'm here to protect my people. And then when you watch um, Adam Driver's version, and and I was really curious about how he presented himself when he was going to sue and be upset about not being the commander of, of that fortress. And because that gets cut short in Matt Damon's version, when he, when he goes up there to be upset it's just, hey, you suck, and then he leaves. Yeah. <laughs> but then, but yeah. then we get like uh, they make fun of him a little bit, and they and they 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 kind of rib him, you know. And I thought that was pretty telling that he left that part out. Yeah, and I absolutely. thought that was cool. So, and then and then of course with Marguerite's version and how he is not a nice husband, and how she is just a piece of property to him, and now she's damaged goods in his eyes, and it's more about his honor than hers mm-hmm. when it comes to to defending her and. And I, I thought it was very brutal and and it just hit home for me, man. It was it was it was scratching an itch that I didn't even realize I had. It was it was fun. We were talking about um, uh, Rashomon the other day, too. Right. And like how I hadn't seen that since film school. Same. And I was and I was like, I don't even remember who's the bad guy in that one, because it, it wasn't very clear. It was very ambiguous as to who was telling the truth. And even that woodcutter guy was kind of a piece of shit because, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think he stole the dagger and he didn't want to like say, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm the one that, that ripped these people off. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> that was that was really interesting. And I remember thinking, like, what is going on with that movie? And um, and, I, and it was I found it perplexing that I couldn't remember who the who was telling the truth. So then I had to look it up and it's like, that's right. You don't really know who's telling the truth. It's all a it's all a mm-hmm. crock. And so. What I like about this one is I do like the lingering of the truth on her title card, on Marguerite's title card and her and her story, uh, because as we're watching the, the court uh, procession happen, you know, no one believes her. Her own friends doubt her uh, just because she said he was handsome. Yeah, people I've said are handsome. Now, all of a sudden, I'm I'm like a liar because I think that they're amazing looking or something. So I think that that's kind of ridiculous. And just the whole yeah. idea of how now it's convenient that she's pregnant all of a sudden, you know, and, and, and she wouldn't get pregnant unless she enjoyed it. I was like, oh, my God, dude. That made me, that <laughs> made me is, so mad. Yeah, I was like, uh, this is hard to watch. And then, and then when the duel's happening, she's like on like a, like a pyre, basically. Like they are ready to she's light chain, that fucker up. She's chained up. up and Yeah, Jesus. so the the stakes are pretty high in this one and so it just had a lot going for it for me in particular so i i was invested i'm sitting there feeding the baby shaking like like just kind of rocking him to sleep and and having a good time and there was a couple of parts where he where henry was like waking up and so i'm just kind of pacing around the, the sofa just and then i was like let me just pause it for a minute until he falls back <laughs> asleep because i didn't want to miss anything yeah and so uh i i was invested dude i i really dug it i was enjoying what i was watching it's so I don't I don't want to rewatch. I mean, I just don't want to rewatch it uh, probably for a while because it just was a heavy film. But it 
it does sound counterintuitive to what I was saying earlier, but rewatching the rape scenes um, there, it was very interesting. If you notice uh, Adam driver's version, because subtle things like she takes her shoes off at the bottom of the stairs mm-hmm. and then runs up as opposed to them just falling off her feet from her actual perspective, which is her trying to escape him. And it's so weird because I mean, I'll, I'll praise this part because like, how we remember stories or how we perceive things, not raping, but how we perceive how I lost my car keys or how I accidentally offended someone. Everyone has a different perspective and um, to, to see it done this way. I mean, it basically exemplifies that little tiny details uh, can just go miles. And he was taking that as an invitation amongst other things like, oh, she's kicking her shoes off right here. And she's going to come take her clothes off and then goes to her room. And he thought she was more playful. Even how she closed the door uh, in his version, she closed it a little more playful. And in her version, she was like trying to get the fuck away from him. Right. Or when he chases her around the table, um, her saying no in her version was a lot more violent. And it was very hard to watch. Uh, the rape scene in general was just her her screams. And I watch movies with subtitles. Her screams said like screaming. And in his version, they said moaning, moaning. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, God, I don't like this. Um, but it's it's it, it is fascinating to look at it from different perspectives, because even until Adam Driver died, even until Jacques died, he believed he was innocent, right. which is crazy to me. But he also lived a life. And, and it was important that we saw that s- scene with him in uh, Slim Shady Ben Affleck when they were when they were taking advantage of those women in that in that orgy. Because that's just what, excuse me, that's what Jacques did. I mean, he he thought it was so commonplace for him to just have his right. way with women. And that if, is if so... If you run, I'll chase you. Exactly. Yeah. And then it, when they're like, mirrored, did, he, did yeah. she refuse you? And he goes, well, the ceremonial, no. But we all know that means yes. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Oh, calm down. <laughs> Rapey. Kylo yeah. rape. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, one, one thing about... Jacques uh, Le Rape. One thing about Ridley Scott, he... Uh, He's not afraid to shy away from that kind of stuff with the same thing with Thelma and Louise, too. You know, I mean, Harvey Keitel was very much like, hey, these women deserve to tell their story. But everyone else was like, no, fuck that, dude. They killed this guy without even wanting to ask them questions sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think Ridley's not afraid to to, uh, you know, hit that head on and, and really embrace like men are pretty shitty. And uh for, I mean, for good reason, that's there's a stereotype exists for a reason. And it's really important that. I'm glad they lingered on the truth because it's really important that in 99% of these cases, you know, we need to believe the woman from the get go. I mean, I do believe in hearing both sides of a story, but like, are you kidding me? If someone says that they just got raped, you need to treat it with the utmost uh, severity, like absolutely. So I think he definitely has his pulse on on kind of what's going on with that. I don't know if Ridley Scott's like a good guy in person or anything, so I don't want to speak for him, but <laughs> I, right. I think he's not afraid to shy away from that stuff in his films. So, um, so I, I actually had no idea that this story ever existed. Like I didn't, I hadn't, I just like you, I saw a poster for it. I'm like, what, what is this? And then it said, it's like the greatest story not told or something. <laughs> um, I was like, yeah, whatever. So, um, how do you feel about a film based on real events or maybe like a book that you were never aware of? Does it make you want to read or learn about it? So like the power of the dog, we were talking about that. I didn't know it was a book. You knew it was a book, but I watched it and. I don't know. That's what it was. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I'm kind of it depends. I think um, I'm kind of I'm kind of back and forth. Like when in this particular case, 
I don't even know how accurate this story could possibly be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they weren't <laughs> they, writing down a whole they, lot of They stuff. made a podcast about it back in the 16th century. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, I think it's fun. And I'm, there isn't a single book that this would ever inspire me to read. But I think it's fun to just watch and discuss. Whereas, like, when when I saw a trailer for Jurassic Park and then someone told me that that was a book and then I... I I go to the bookstore and I see uh, soon to be a major motion picture. And I was like, holy shit, this is cool. Let me read this book really fast, you know, stuff yeah. like that. So it just depends. I don't know. And even like with like, um, uh, like Harry Potter. Right. So uh, I think the first two movies had already come out in theaters before I read the books. And so what was cool about that for me was putting a name uh, or putting a face to the name and kind of a voice. So when I was reading it, I saw those kids. And I thought that that made a lot more sense. And I know that that worked for a lot of people with Game of Thrones as well, where, uh, you know, they were able to to read the books after the first season came out and be like, holy shit, this show's insane. I got to know how it's going to end. And so then I start reading the books and then it just kind of helps put some of that stuff together. So I think at times it's exciting. But when it's when it's real, um, I, I go straight for the spoiler, man. If I if I know that this is something that happened, I'll go right to the Wikipedia page and be like, okay, this is what happened. <laughs> I will always do that. Always. Because yeah. I, I, it's it's a thing that happened, and then there's going to be media... Like, assuming it didn't take place in 13-whatever, uh, and it was relatively recent, then I'm always more curious about... Uh, who these real people were, what what kind of person they were in real life, you know, were they loved, were they jerks, uh, things like that. But I typically, as I said on the show before, I'm not really a fan of like biopics per se. Uh, I, I don't enjoy them for some reason. I don't know. I don't know why that is, but um, I just I've always kind of been that way. There's very yeah. few biopics that I enjoy. I usually like it more when it's um sort of a like with Ford v Ferrari. We were talking about that last week. You know, that's those are real people that are doing real races. And while it's more of it's more about the the era of these two car manufacturers competing with each other than it is more about Ken Miles, you know, exactly. Carol Shelby. So that was more of a of a fun story inside the real time versus a biopic. You know what I mean? So that was a little totally. bit more fun for me. Yeah. So it's it's kind of tricky. I don't I don't know if I've answered that well enough <laughs> and no, i apologize it, it, no it, it totally makes sense and and i i look at it too you know um with harry potter it was great because f- so i grew up around the same time like harry potter was like i was like 12 when the first book came out and he was 12 basically or 11 in the in the first book um and then obviously you know they were more sparsed out so it wasn't it wasn't a year at a time it wasn't an annual release but i was always seeing uh her i, I wasn't calling her um hermione i was calling her hermoine because that's mm-hmm. how I read it. So to hear it on screen was so much better. And also then to see the the faces to the book, like I'm, you know, I'll read other books too. And I actually read a lot of movie books. So uh, things like Dune, right? I was like reading weird Dune. science, the novel. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I just keep thinking of Kelly Brock, but uh, she's, oh man, she's Kelly LeBrock. Yeah. She's Is great. that LeBrock? There you go. LeGris, Le Kelly LeGris. <laughs> so yeah. she, uh, but with Dune, right? Like, so now when I'm reading about Paul Atreides, I'm thinking of Timothy Chalamet. So I think there's benefits to it. But I, I, I do like when you do see an event. You're like, wait, this really happened? Like Argo. Argo is a good one, right? I knew nothing yeah. about that. And seeing that, I'm like, holy shit, this is a really good movie. And obviously, they take liberties. They took some pretty big liberties. But it still was 
a, a, a way to get me more invested into it and maybe watch a documentary on what actually right. happened later, you know? I, yeah, I did that with Black Hawk <laughs> Down, too. Yeah. Uh, that was one where I was just like, holy shit. And I remember watching that. Uh, so when the events happened, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, I no, just remember fine. being in, in eighth grade when they were carrying the soldiers' bodies through the street and stripping them and everything. My eighth grade <laughs> history teacher used to record the news in the morning and then make us watch it in class Holy uh, just so we could be up to date on current events and so i remember seeing that on the tv and i was just like holy smokes dude i don't know if i should be watching this this is horrible and uh and then when the movie came out i, I was totally reliving this moment when i was in eighth grade and and it was it was brought a tear to my eye dude i was like really sad and so just seeing like it felt black hawk down felt like they had just gopro cameras hidden all over the city and that's what really happened. It was I thought it was shot in such an awesome way that yeah. we were there and it was heartbreaking. And then I watched uh, the movie was a smash hit, obviously. And and then there was all these documentaries and, and showing and, and the, the survivors were telling their story. And I, and I was glued to my TV. Dude. I was like, oh, my God, this is nuts. Yeah. And so that was definitely cool. That, that was in a circumstance where I wanted to know more. You know, that was crazy. Yeah. That's a good example. I same thing. I, I didn't know. And um, I think that Ridley Scott, again, his eye for detail is so great because there was that whole uh, I shouldn't say a whole scene, but there was a, a small scene where they two soldiers are talking about ammo. And he's like, aren't you going to bring like your your regular amount? He's like, no, man, we're going to be in and out of there in an hour or whatever. But really, it's like, holy shit, that was important because they needed more ammunition. And mm -hmm. so uh, little things like that, that really put. Um, an emphasis on on how shitty the situation was or like uh, 13 hours, right? That that Benghazi. Yeah, movie. Benghazi. Yeah, um, I knew nothing about it. Um, obviously, I know I should have known more about it, but it just was very it was it was actually a pretty solid movie for the most part. So um, it makes me want to go do my my own research, basically. So sure. But yeah, that's so, why all the Republicans hate. I know Hillary. Hillary. Yeah. yeah, but emails. Yeah, but, but emails. emails. <laughs> exactly. Oh Lord. I know it's it's just it's some really scary stuff, dude. And even like uh, yeah, Lone Survivor. We joked about that one on the show a couple times. Like yeah. a spoiler alert in the title, <laughs> and you're like four guys in this trailer. Kind of weird. Mark Wahlberg's <laughs> the alternate covers. He's the only one. So yeah. And then to read, you know, this, you know, you watch the movie. There's the the words that pop up at the end, and and it's like heartbreaking, dude. And you're just like, holy shit, man, this is crazy. Yeah. Somebody had to live through this. Yeah. And that's that's nuts. It's like Point Break. It's a real biopic. Right. Right. <laughs> so I I do think that you know whether it be like Vikings or medieval time stuff, um, just this whole era period piece stuff, something gets lost and they got to spruce it up to make it fun for it, for the viewer. Um, and so you got to take it with a grain of salt, I suppose. And, and you probably should with all films, but um, I like feel scream. like some, <laughs> some are presented in a way that just seem a little bit more real than others, whether they are or not, they're just perceived that way. Totally. I agree. Well, let's talk about medieval, medieval films. And when I think of medieval, especially medieval French films, I don't think of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. <laughs> They're actually some of the last actors that I would ever place in a, in a, uh, a role like this. Um, traditionally, though, I do look at more classically trained actors like a Daniel Day-Lewis or a Kenneth Branagh or Benedict Cucumberbatch or even Clive Owen because he was in King Arthur and he's just an awesome British I actor. I like that right? King Arthur movie. I liked it, too. <laughs> Mads, Mi fun. Mads Mikkelsen is in it. They have a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's her name? 
Keira Knightley. Uh, yeah. Knightley's in it. Yeah, they have a lot of it. It uh, was fun. It was really fun. I enjoyed the hell out of it. So did Matt Damon and Ben Affleck work for you? Or did you just kind of keep thinking about Boston and them apples? Dude, I mean, honestly... The hair was so distracting. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> for both for of all, them. For, yeah, I know. For both. Like, when you with this bleach blonde hair, like, goatee. Surf, surfer Pierre, I was just like, oh, my God, you're killing me. Get and off my I, wave. <laughs> that would be a waste of time. Dude, 100%. I was so distracted, man. And I'm like, this is a French movie? And and I remember <laughs> when when it says, you know, like like, France, whatever, like, I don't even remember what, like, thir- like 1380 or something like that was one of the first times that pop up on the screen. I was like, no way they're, they're <laughs> French guys. And, and, and I, fe- I honestly feel like if they were to capture, you know, the A-listers of France and put them in this movie, yeah. I think it would have been even more amazing. Because at, at a certain point, you are just seeing fucking Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, dude. Even Adam Driver. You know, that guy is one of the most unique looking fellas I've ever seen. His his body type and build are just so so menacing. There's something about Anna Driver. He just looks like this this giant thing coming at you. I mean, he's he's like super like you know he's well fit and everything, but he just looks like this this monster. Yeah, and it, and it drives me. It, it cracks me up in a lot of ways. But like as I'm watching it, I'm like, this is not France, dude. I'm like I'm like um, like Mont Francais Rui, <laughs> which is uh, <laughs> my my French is a little rusty, but. Uh, ain't working uh yeah uh yeah like a nail rusting like a nail my friend exactly Um, yeah so i i do think that as i was watching it i i was like man this movie would be fucking off the rails if it were really in french and it would just add this extra layer of authenticity almost authentitious like authentitious But I think that's kind of what it needed in a way. And and you don't have to. It's okay for these movies to speak English, I suppose. Uh, you know, The Hunt for Red October has a really fun transition where on the submarine at the beginning, they're all speaking Russian. And then uh, they go through the, the doorway into Marco Ramius's office and it transitions into English. Yeah, right. and, and it worked really, really well. So, I mean, even if at the beginning when they're setting up for the duel and they were speaking uh, French and then, you know, the time warp happens and then all of a sudden it's, it's in English. I think that would have been, that probably would have worked, but I I don't, I don't know for sure, but I I definitely, it's hard when A-listers are, especially when it's a star studded cast, uh, you know, they're front and center. There's going to come a point where it's just another Ben Affleck and Matt Damon movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and that actually stumbles into my uh, number six question too. Like one of my big gripes is um, I have one of my big gripes that I have with like location based period pieces is the hiring of actors who don't speak the native language or accent. And Matt Damon's an awesome actor. Ben Affleck is actually a, a good actor as well. And Jodie Comer's fantastic. So, you know, so much care is given to making this film feel authentic and visceral. We talked about the castles and the set pieces and stuff. So why not just have every actor speak French or at least use a French accent? Um, my issue with this, because I'll kind of answer my standpoint on it, because I you, you, you just did. And I agree. I, I think this movie would have been on a completely different level if it would have been French with subtitles, because I love subtitles and I love a more authentic feel. But uh, did you watch Chernobyl, the miniseries on HBO? I did. So, 
So that was a, a gripe that I had too, uh, watching that the first episode. But I listened to the subsequent podcast um, with Craig Mazin, the 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 showrunner for it, right, the creator right. for it, and he explained because they asked him that the host asked him like, "Hey, so why do all of these Russian scientists and stuff speak with British accents?" And he said, "Well, we have these amazing actors, right, and." we don't want to take away from their acting abilities. We don't want you to be distracted by that, that Russian accent is, you know, this actor or, you know, Matt Damon as a Bostonian and with him trying to do a poor French accent that will distract the hell out of it. And, and you will not be able to really pay attention to um, the movie as a whole, probably, or, or give it its uh, due diligence or its justice, I should say. And mm-hmm. so I, I can see maybe why that's what Ridley Scott was doing. But I like your idea, uh, the Hunt for Red October idea where, yeah, you start out and then move away from it. So it's it's more, it kind of breaks a wall for us too as a viewer. Right. Um, a little more like, I don't know, authenticious, like you're saying. But <laughs> that's why I was like, if they just went and got the A-listers in France, yeah, <laughs> you know, like you're right. Matt Damon's and, and Ben Affleck's in France and just put a, Rid- a Ridley Scott spin on it, I think it could have been special. I don't know, I've, but I agree with that's you. Just me. I no, I agree with you. I think I think that there's something that could have been done, but it it is probably wouldn't have cost a hundred million dollars either. Well, you know, and it's funny because <laughs> when I was when I was uh so I wrote this question, but then last night, you know, we saw the the trailer for Moon Knight, and I was thinking about this question because they have Oscar Isaac, who's an awesome actor. I love the hell out of him, but he's playing a British guy. And it kind of bugged me because I'm like, clearly there are some amazing British actors out there, and why can't you just get them to play a British guy? Why can't why can't you just replace Oscar Isaac with someone else? But it's just I don't know. It's weird. Accents always drive me crazy at times, even when like an English person does an American accent. And I'm some are really good at it, but I'm just I don't know. I'm getting kind of tired of it, honestly. <laughs> I always think it's funny when when someone's from when a band's from another country and they don't even speak English, but they're singing English songs yeah. <laughs> or something like that, like like Roxette. You know, they're like a Swedish pop duo, and I didn't even know that until I was like like a teenager. I'm like. Oh, well, they seem like that. Right <laughs> <laughs> you know, stuff like that's always kind of funny. Or like watching Battlestar Galactica, you know, like uh, just uh, the way they talk on the show. And then you watch an interview with them and you're like, no fucking way, dude. That guy's from like England. I didn't know that. You sound like you're from London. <laughs> and so that kind of stuff always cracks me up. And uh, uh, yeah. I think it's fun. Yeah, I agree. It's acting, man. It's acting. That's what it's all about. Acting. Yeah. We don't <laughs> quote the Holly Flax. I do. I like Holly Flax. <laughs> Marry me, will you? <laughs> no, God damn it. Get out of my office. Your wife be, I will. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. So we discussed previously that. Pieces, pieces. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly's we... like, oh my God, just stop. Yeah. yeah. That's great. We discussed previously the flops that Ridley Scott has directed. Um, He's definitely directed some some doozies there. Uh, we talked about it on our Thelma and Luis show. In fact, you know, he had a decade of pretty crummy films at times. I think it was like before The Martian and after like Kingdom of Heaven or something. But, um, you know, w- when a film is announced, like you were saying, he has his signature on it. And uh, does his clout make you want to see it every time? Like regardless, every time you're you're saying you're going to go see it, right? Does he get a free pass based on his track record, like from Gladiator, Alien and Black Hawk Down? 
I used to think so. There was a time when I would go see everything. Uh, you know, I, I didn't. Act, so Kingdom of Heaven is one that I haven't seen. And, you know, on our Don't Be Crazy Twitter, I had asked people, you know, we just watched a medieval movie. And, you know, what are some of your favorite medieval movies that you like to watch? And multiple people said uh, Kingdom of Heaven. And really? The direct, yeah, especially the director's cut. So uh, uh, Jeff Muller, he, my jerd, said um, 13th Warriors, one night that I dig that often gets overlooked. Um, and then uh, Stoltzken said, uh, I really dug Kingdom of Heaven. And then uh, Rob uh, at Digifluid, who we've had on this show, says Kingdom of Heaven, the director's cut. It's an amazing film. That's my pick here, too. Uh, Colin Groom says... Uh, Lady Hawk and Kingdom of Heaven, the director's cut, and I was just like, "Holy smokes, that's that's a lot of, that's a lot of and that's the only one that I haven't seen." I'm like, "God damn it, now I gotta go watch this fucking movie." Uh, and then Out the Outlaw King is uh, is another one that someone uh, that uh, Kristen Lauderell liked, hmm. and so uh, I would say, you know, this era that you're discussing, you know, I went and watched uh, aside from Kingdom of Heaven because that's what I missed, but then like American Gangster, Body of Lies, Robin Hood, Prometheus. Um, Exodus, Gods and Kings, uh, The Martian, uh, Alien Covenant. I, you know, I'm watching all these in the theater, and they're, they're aside from The Martian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy each one of these a little bit less than the other. <laughs> I, yeah. I like American Gangster. I thought that one was fun. I enjoyed uh, it. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. But Body of Lies, I couldn't stand. Robin nope. Hood, I thought was terrible. <laughs> and and Oscar Isaac is uh, he's like Prince John or whatever. Yeah. In that movie. Yeah. I Oh, he's like freaking out. <laughs> the the counselor was was awful. Um, I think we talked about this before. It's it's really bad. It's a Cormac McCarthy book, but holy shit, was it bad? Mm-hmm. So I didn't watch Exodus, Gods and Kings, but I've heard it was also bad. Yeah, it's not good. But I really did like The Martian because I read the book. And so that was an example where uh, I heard it was an awesome book. And so I read it and I'm like, holy shit, I love this. And then they announced a movie. I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be awesome. Right. But yeah, I loved The Martian. But then, yeah, you're right. Alien Covenant and Prometheus were just like <sighs> horrible. My <laughs> yeah. God, so bad. I can't, I hate Prometheus so goddamn much and I own it and I watch it a lot. <laughs> it might even be the alien movie that I've seen the most, which is <laughs> horrible. But I just I keep telling myself this. So, there's got to be something there. And then I watched the pitch meeting for it the other day. It's so and funny. it convinced me that, nope, I'm right. It is terrible. It's so bad. It doesn't make any sense at all. And it's, it's so bad. Yeah, I don't know what he's trying to do. Or maybe it's because you're on your phone too much. You're just a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? It's so ridiculous. And so that's just that's just where my head's at. And I, as someone that loves Alien and and just that whole universe, I really wanted to like that movie. And and I, and I don't. It's not good. <laughs> Alien Covenant. I fell asleep for crying out loud. Oh man. I was like, son of a bitch, now I gotta watch this again? Are you kidding me? Yeah. And uh, that's just too damn bad. But The Martian is amazing. I've watched that a lot too. I really enjoy it. It's kind of a it's kind of a comfort movie for me. I, I definitely watch it uh, a few times a year. It's kind of one to have on. I love the hell out of that movie. It's really but, good. Yeah, I think he has a he has a free pass. I mean, if if it weren't a pandemic going on, I definitely would have watched uh, House of Gucci uh, in theaters. Same. And I yeah. probably would have watched this in the theaters. Uh, it's just it was just too much going on in the world for me to to go. But uh, I, I definitely want to watch them. I in some weird way, I feel like I owe it to the man to watch his movies. But you don't own nothing. He's a knight. He's Sir right. Ridley Scott. <laughs> right. 
Uh, I just, you know, I, I like I like his brother's films too. For crying out loud, yeah. I, Tony Scott made some awesome movies, man. And Beverly Hills Cop Two. Yeah, it's one of the best. It is <laughs> so, so good. good. <laughs> it's Miller time, boys. Oh man, there's not supposed to be any right angles. That's <laughs> so dumb, man. I love it. Okay, so, but you know what I don't like, Justin? I, I like this movie as a whole, but I wasn't praising it like 80% of the audiences. So when I read those stats, I'm like, you gotta be out of your goddamn mind. 81% of the people like this movie? I, I don't know, right? So the cinematography, set design, acting, storytelling, they were all pretty goddamn good. Something about it just didn't sit well with me, though. And we talked about this. The rape scenes are just horrible. And the way they treat women in this era, it's it's very hard to watch. While I understand that this was history uh, where men are just awful and, you know, you're a witch if you're lying sort of thing, <laughs> it, it doesn't make me feel great watching it or enjoy it that much. So I guess was this movie necessary? Like, what am I what am I missing? Why? Why, why do people like it so much? Because you, you said you're going to watch it. You watched it twice. Uh, some no, I haven't watched it twice. I oh. want to watch it again. Some I, I, I couldn't convince Alex to watch it with me. Well, yeah, some reviews I, I I read were people like, oh, my God, it's so good. It's I can't believe people are missing out on this one. And I'm just like, what? Like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't think you're missing anything. Um, I, I, I for me, it was just a fun little detective story. You know, I like piecing it together um, and I do like how there is a clear truth. Uh, perhaps if it was more ambiguous, I probably wouldn't have liked it as much if 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 it was like Rashomon and. And I'm like, well, what happened? <laughs> there's like, there's like four very different, or yeah, four versions of the story in Rashomon, right? It's right. the, it's the fucking, it's the bandit, it's the, it's the wife, it's the dead samurai that's spoken through a medium, and then it's the woodcutter guy. So yeah. four stories, and they're all like so different. So at least this one was, they were all pretty close, minus how they thought of themselves, uh, and then the clear cut truth with uh, Marguerite. So. I do think that that was kind of geared towards the audience to to not insult us in a way. Not not that I think that Kurosawa was assaulting us. I, I think it was more of his message on just people in general and 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 honesty and integrity and and truth is in the eye of the beholder. Right. If we Absolutely. think we see something, then we're going to go to the grave thinking we saw that. Right. And so and and that same goes for for Jacques LaRape there where he's like. I didn't rape her, you know, this, I'm not going to confess to something I didn't do in his mind. He is convinced that he's not at fault. And so I do like how there was a clear truth and, and it just kind of resonated with me. It didn't insult me. I didn't feel like I wasted my time. I kind of got a happy ending and, <laughs> and I was cool. If it would have ended with him dying and her burning out of him, like, fuck this movie. I would have been so mad. This is the worst. I, I would have I I put so Prometheus mad. on to wash the taste out of my mouth. <laughs> so I, it could have gone a very different way. And yeah. so uh, I was curious how that was going to play out. And uh, I, I was happy with the verdict. Although I, I would say I, I thought he was going to bleed out. I, I thought he was going to yeah. beat him because it looked like it's like femoral artery. Was, yeah. Was so. Well, and I thought that was going to be the, the best ending is, you know, he dies and Adam Driver dies, but he kills Adam Driver. So, First. <laughs> yeah. So they're yeah. like, well, obviously you're not lying. And then he gets on the horse and he walks in and falls over. And then she's like, peace. <laughs> right, right. Literally breaks those chains. But but I don't, I don't think you're really missing anything. This was just, um, I kind of like the medieval movies in a way. I like the combat. I I like the, the dirty grittiness of it. I'm glad that 
I am so thankful that I was not born in this era and I can <laughs> enjoy it from my sofa. Uh, yeah. I hate everything about what they do for a living and it stresses me out, but it's fun to watch. You know, uh, I've said a billion times that like, like I love Conan and I always go back to Conan and like the set pieces and the, and the armor and the, and the weapons, something about that just fascinates me. And so I did get that. Um, I do think it is weird looking at Ben Affleck and Matt Damon uh, and Adam Driver in this movie, but that's the thing with Ridley Scott. He's used this. He recycles the same actors and all of his stuff. And so once he's latched onto somebody, you're just going to get him over and over and over again. He was that way with Russell Crowe. He was that way with 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 Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. And so it's just it's just the way the world works. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean that makes sense. And and I agree. I think discussing it more with you. I, I think I appreciate it a little bit more if you look at it strictly as like a detective movie. Uh, the narrative structure is actually really neat. And um, I, I do like how nuanced everybody's story is. So I can appreciate that. But I think just at the end, I was like, fuck, man, why did I watch that? <laughs> it was it was a lot. But it, 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 it after I let it sit for a little bit, I think I mean, I can totally appreciate it for sure. But yeah, I, I mean, I do. I, I like it more than I thought I was going to. I went in with very little expectations and that helped a ton. And that's been like my go to thing now where I just yep. I just have zero expectations when I watch movies these days. And I'm pleasantly surprised. Like I never thought in a billion years I would say that I really enjoyed Venom, too. And I do. I think it's fun. I bought it. I've watched it a couple times. I think it's a blast. And so my my taste in movies have have changed over the years. And maybe 10 years from now, I'm going to look back and say, how could you, Justin of 2022, how could <laughs> you possibly have liked that movie? Uh, but but I do. I'm yeah. guilty. I enjoy it. Well, so we have seen some modern day retellings of classic history uh, or works kind of like uh, Shakespearean works, like 10 Things I Hate About You, uh, the, the Romeo and Juliet with Leo DiCaprio, and then uh, the movie O, which is based off of Othello. This... What am I trying to say here? Uh, this film has a powerful message for sure, right? And so how would you feel about this movie being a modern retelling, kind of like how these Shakespearean films were treated? So basically, what if they put this instead of 1547 France, if they put it in 1999 Los Angeles or something like that? Would I you mean, be I, more inclined to watch it? I think they could. I mean, there's a lot of accusations that get thrown around with with high profile people, whether it be athletes or or um, CEOs, or just toxic work environments, um, even in the gaming industry, for crying out loud. Uh, there's a lot of voices that need to be heard that aren't being heard. Um, and I think that you could easily make this movie take place in, in when, what year did you say? 1990 what? Yeah, let's just say like 1993 or something like sure, that. Sure, 100%. I think that, I think that this could happen uh, in any time, to be honest with you. It's, it's three sides to a story. And, uh, you know, the truth is out there, as, as the X-Files says. <laughs> and uh, and I think it would be intriguing to watch, especially since, uh, you know, the eyewitness testimony is always going to come first over scientific evidence. It's so fascinating how that's the case. Yeah. You can have a computer tell you that this, there's no way in hell this person was here. But if someone says, well, I saw him do it, <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be inclined to believe the eyewitness testimony. Right. It's so weird how that happens. And thankfully, that's starting to change uh, and people are getting released due to, you know, DNA evidence. But when you have eyewitness testimony, it goes a long way, which is absurd. Uh, Like when we were just talking about how 
you know, three people in a room could all see and hear something different. That's so crazy. It yeah. is crazy. So I think it would work in any time, to be honest with you. And it could be interesting. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of stories out there about, you know, athletes or musicians or executives doing very bad things. And the truth is out there. It gets settled outside of court. So we don't get to see it. But it would be interesting to have, you know, American Gladiator style <laughs> last duel uh, take place in 1993. Someone throws their their isotoner <laughs> down. And the other person yeah. comes and picks it up and moves his cape. And so yeah, like, boom. 100%. He's like accepted. So. I, I I think it could be done. I, I, it doesn't matter if it's a if it's a western, if it's a medieval movie, or if it's a if it's a 1993 movie. I, I think it it works. All right. Yeah. This kind of shit happens every day. Absolutely. So you know what the hell, how the hell, and why the hell did this movie bomb at box offices? Do you have a reason for that or an answer? <laughs> uh, I think the pandemic has a lot to do with it. I think that the marketing has a lot to do with it. Um, a lot of people. I didn't know what the hell this movie was about. Someone like me, when I saw this trailer, I'm like, what? What is happening right now? <laughs> it's about a duel. <laughs> and then I missed the first one because this is not the last one. So. Right. I just, and I was so distracted by the hair, man. I, I'm so <laughs> I'm so shallow. I hate to admit it, but like I, yeah, you I don't like even... you don't like funky hair. Yeah, you don't, I don't. like colored I... hair. You don't like long hair. I so. have such a problem with it. And <laughs> it's so funny. And like I'm sitting there watching the trailer i'm like what what did i just watch what is this movie and uh i just didn't get it and i think i think that what you were saying about ridley scott and just you know does does he have that clout that makes people want to watch it and maybe 10 years ago he did maybe 15 years ago he did but maybe now in 2021 when this movie came out people are like well i don't know he's got some shitty movies out there i'll just i'll just catch it on video and it's a period <laughs> piece it is a medieval one it, this has a, a specific audience this isn't for everybody and it's a big ask it's a two and a half hour movie that's a, that's a lot it's it's a very long movie you're right no absolutely so i i, I think i think you're accurate and and to follow up on that you know, he Ridley Scott was in hot water after he blamed the failures of this film on millennials, like we said in the trivia. Yeah, um, hula hoops just, and Pac-Man yeah, video, Pac video games. Video games. <laughs> so here, here's the here's the quote. So this is from an article I found. Um, he said he said, no, Disney did a fantastic promotion job. Uh, Ridley Scott said when uh, when Marin implied the company may have been the reason for the last duel's low performance. Then he goes on to say, the bosses loved the movie because I was concerned it was not for them, but they really liked the movie. So their advertising, publicity, etc. was excellent. I think what it boils down to what we've got today are the audiences who were brought up on those fucking cell phones. The millennium, he says, the millennium, not millennials, he says, the millennium do not uh, ever want to be taught anything unless you are told it on the cell phone. Scott continued, this is a broad stroke, but I think we're dealing with it right now with Facebook. This is uh, there is a misdirection that has happened where it's given the wrong kind of confidence to the last generation. I think that to me is a completely tone deaf statement yeah. and not a well thought out one. It is a old man yells at cloud sort of situation. <laughs> yeah, 100 like, percent. get off my lawn. Like, like Jesus Christ, dude, you have to understand that the dynamic of film just shifts while there, I kind of agree in certain aspects of we complain about 
all the movies being the same. But then when a when a new story comes out for a film, we're like, I don't get it. How come there is no Marvel action in it? <laughs> um, so in a certain sense, yeah, I can see that. But he went about it the completely wrong way because the millennials, like you were saying, that's like me. And I love this type of uh, film work. I, a ton of my friends like this uh, type of uh, genre and subject matter. And so I think a lot of it went into to the advertising and to the timing and everything that you were saying. And I feel like that was blatantly obvious but he just could not see that and it's it's stupid it's 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 a very dangerous thing it's like when nolan was saying oh well streaming movies or when patty jenkins was like well wonder woman flopped because it, it wasn't in theaters i'm like no that movie just fucking sucked like <laughs> right come on man and then so, and, Spiel, and spielberg he doesn't like the netflix model oh and, god yeah and scorsese doesn't scorsese, like the, the marvel Marvels. stuff so, uh, what are, what are your it's that thoughts? generation of filmmaker? <laughs> My just goodness, a bunch of grumpy geese. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think the pandemic definitely had a lot to do with it. I think Absolutely. it a two and a half hour movie had a lot to do with it. I think not knowing that this movie even fucking existed until like the weekend it came out had a lot to do with it. Uh, I'd like to plan like, hey, this movie's coming out. I can't wait to watch it. I like to get excited about it. Um, things like that, and and it's just. A lot of people don't give a fuck about some medieval French movie, man. I, I know that I do. I think it's cool. I love a sucker for a medieval movie, but not everybody is. And they no. mentioned those old people. And guess what? They're all fucking dying because there's a pandemic going on. You really think that grandma and grandpa are going to go check out uh, the, the, the cinema because Ridley Scott made a, a medieval movie? Fuck no. Yeah. Uh, I agree. It's while he does great work. He 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 released it at a very weird time, and it and I I think you're absolutely right. The promotion and the pandemic just really kind of tanked this thing. So yeah, I'm and, ho- and if you can watch Bond or fucking Dune or mm-hmm. or or the Last Duel, which one are you gonna watch? <laughs> the Last Duel three times. Yeah, <laughs> so right. I get all three perspectives again. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's Dune. I mean, Dune was one of those movies that I watched the, the very next day when I got home, or like you know. I watched, yeah, I watched it, it twice. Yeah, yeah, I watched it twice. I was like, I have to watch this again. And, uh, and, and same thing with no time to die. I really wanted to like rent it as soon as it would be out, but now it's like available to purchase. So I'll probably buy it, but I, I loved the shit out of that movie. So, um, and that movie is even longer than, than the last duel. That movie is almost three hours long. So it was long. Yeah. It was like I two hours and 45 minutes. So <laughs> fucking bad. Oh my God. That, yeah. with those, we all got those stupid ICs and that I was know. just, I could have filled up that cup, man. <laughs> You're like a camel. <laughs> it was it was a big old icy, like like uh, like child size in Parks and Rec. Where you I put um, a child in it. I'm like I have like sugar withdrawals because when I go to the theater, I'm like, man, an icy sounds good right now. But I've done good the last two movies and not purchased one. So I almost got one for Scream, but then I would have been that asshole that's going. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I I drank my soda and my popcorn for Scream. I had to. That's, yeah. a, that's a popcorn movie for me, man. That is. I agree. But yeah, it's it's I, I'm I'm tired of this trend of these directors just starting to blame kids and technology and Facebook. It's like, dude, fuck off, because I bet Facebook is how people are hearing about your your movie. I mean, social media isn't the devil. It, it sucks at times, Kinda but it's is. it's also. <laughs> yeah, but it also really can help smaller platforms or, or, or you know, it's, it's faster than word of mouth. We don't have to open up the the Tuesday paper to be like, oh, what time is the last duel playing, right? Or call Mr. Right. Movie phone. We can go to our, our cell phones and look it up and be like, oh, well, it says it sucks. So I don't want to see it. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
there's a lot that can go into it. But there, there is, there is. I, I just, I think it was a big ask, man. Two and a half a hour medieval movie with some very big another ask. another Matt Damon <laughs> Ben Affleck movie. Oh my god, the Moon Knight trailer when Ethan Hawke came on, I was gonna text you. <laughs> another <laughs> Ethan Hawke show. <laughs> That's so dumb. Oh, man. What's that Viking movie called that he's uh, in now? The Fjord, no. Uh, the Fjordsman? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the, the Witch, part two? Sure. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I was, yes, oh, I know it was so funny because you're like another Ethan Hawke movie. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> so the Norseman. Funny. The Norseman. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Oh, um, you, mean, you mean Conan, basically? That's <laughs> almost exactly the same Dude, premise. Oh, uh, no. That's so dumb. I like Robert Eggers a lot, but Jesus. So King, King Horwindel is his name. The <laughs> so <laughs> sorry. Maybe the H is silent. King Orwindel. Orwindel. I have to ask the Jarl. <laughs> the Jarl. <laughs> and then they just start walking into a wall randomly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Oh, jeez. So there's a film critic I like. His name is Chris Stuckman, and he absolutely loved this movie, and he stated that it was an action film with drama in it, and I could not uh, disagree more. I think it's a heavy drama with a little bit of action. Am I wrong? What genre does this feel like to you? And, like, let's compare that to Gladiator, kind of. Well, what do you consider Gladiator to be? I consider Gladiator to be a drama. I... I think it has a healthy amount of action, but overall, that movie is dramatic. They, the way they shot the trailer and wrapped the trailer, it looked like this insanely epic ac- action film, right? It has some amazing battle scenes, some amaz- are we, amazing are we, fights. Now, are we still talking about Gladiator? Are we talking about Gladiator? We're talking about Gladiator. There's tigers. And yeah, tigers. Gladiators, oh my. <laughs> literally, he, you know, it, it's, it's just, it looks badass, but those scenes are very short. Um, Everything else around it is 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 around Marcus Aurelius, around you know, uh, Joaquin, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or around Commodus, around all that kind of stuff. Commodus, fifty <laughs> points from Gryffindor. Uh, so that boy's a Slytherin, I'll tell you that right yeah, now. Exactly. Bit so, of a creeper. So I, I consider that a, a drama with action elements, and uh, I do not consider the last duel an action film in any stretch. The final battle is badass. But that's about the only action that's in this film. Well, okay. So now that you say that, so there is the the taking of the river. Well, they lose the river at the beginning, right? When when yeah. the people are just getting their heads fucking chopped off on the other side of the water. Uh, there's that. Then there's the other battle in front of the castle. And then there is the battle in the forest. Uh, and then there is the last duel. So yeah, there's four four fighting scenes as it were with some pretty gory graphic action in it yeah but uh i don't think it makes it an action for a two and a half hour movie with four scenes that feature <laughs> yeah. battles probably not an action movie i I, yeah. I would probably agree that it is a uh it's a like a, a sus- yeah probably like a like a uh sus- a suspense maybe i don't know it's a dramatic movie for sure but I do think that there's an element of sus- of sus- can't say the word right now of suspense yeah. <laughs> in it, you know, um, and it's really just gritty and gross. So I, I, I don't know. It has a lot going for it. But I think at the end of the day, it is, it is a dramatic movie. It yeah. is a drama. Period piece drama. I agree. Like just Pride co- and Prejudice. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 
And that's an action movie, I tell you what. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jane Austen. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, because it, it's gritty. It's it's uncomfortable. It's unsettling. So I, I think it, it it's a bit of a, I don't want to say a dramatic thriller per se, but I do think it has a lot of um, suspense and 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 I don't even know what the word would be. But neither, ultimately, yeah, neither do it's I. a drama. Yeah, that's hard to classify. It's a bit of a thinker. Yeah, 2.30. Yeah, there you go. So finally, you know, we know your buddy there, Ridley Scott. You love him with all your heart. You love everything he does. You have Prometheus in the Criterion Collection. (laughs) It's the only only one you saved, the hard copy you saved. Where does this film rank in your, uh, let's say, in your Ridley Scott movies? And we're only going to do top five. So is it in your top five? It's not. What is your top five? My top five, starting from five down to one, would probably be uh, Gladiator, Black Hawk Down, The Martian, Thelma and Louise, and Alien. Wow, that's a very good, uh, very good list. Is there any particular reason you didn't like Gladiator at number one? I just think it's kind of. I think it's. I, it kind of has the same effect that Last Duel had on you, where I'm just kind of bored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, and it doesn't have a happy ending. No, I'm angry a lot of the time I'm watching that movie. <laughs> You know, he just keeps getting betrayed over and over and over again. And uh, I don't I don't like it. It Mm. bothers me. Mm. Uh, And that Walking Phoenix, man, that dude is so good. And he's really good at being a creeper. And and he's like he was Joffrey before Joffrey, you know, and seriously, yeah, I hate his face <laughs> like in the movie i just hate his face every time he's just on screen it makes my my fucking blood boil he gets under my skin creeps me out and uh you know i think his performance is incredible i think it's his movie and um he's got a lot going on but at the end of the day i that is a joyless film for me man interesting I, yeah it, it rubs me the wrong way <laughs> Fair enough. See, now I would have to go almost like opposite because Gladiator is number one for me. Um, and then I would say number two is uh, Alien. And then number three is actually The Martian. I love The Martian. I think it's like you were saying, it's one of those kind of comfort blankets that you, blankets that you can just put on and, and rewatch again. Right. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed the hell out of that one. Um, and then I would put. Uh, I, I think i would put thelma and louise there but i think it's going to be black hawk down so it'd be yeah so gladiator alien the martian black hawk down and then yeah thelma and louise Uh, just because i think that movie is so goddamn good but this one doesn't do anything for me um it's not going to be (laughs) in any of my lists so (laughs) (laughs) the top five Uh, least favorite ridley scott movies and is that more middle of the road yeah it's i'd say I feel I, I feel bad that I didn't see Kingdom of Heaven because so many people like it, and I, I was going to just watch the director's cut of it. Yeah, that's a three and a half hour movie, and uh, that's a big ask, which I'm okay with. I can do it. Uh, it's just I've never seen it before, and so now I got to sit down for three and a half hours, and I don't even have three and a half hours. I got to watch Interstellar again. Oh man, I got to watch. Got to watch Hateful Eight. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? Real quick, is it possible that we could classify? Uh, this movie, The Last Duel, as true crime? Could it be a true crime? You know, that 
Okay, so so how we were discussing, could you see this film in like 1993? And you brought up a good point. You're like, well, it happens all the time. So maybe that's why he did it was because obviously it probably didn't go down like this in any way, shape or form, but it was probably an idea. And he, rock. He, yeah, there you go. Yeah, they're made of helium, so they're light. Uh, but you know, so he took he took the liberties, but I think that's maybe why he did it is to try to be, maybe subvert what we were expecting to happen and um, kind of put a, a real world scenario in something that happened, you know, hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I guess I guess you could call it a true crime, a yeah. true French crime. There I we mean, go. I think I think that would be a good way. Of classifying the genre as true crime. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Mi- I, medieval I know it true has, crime. Yeah, it has it has the dramatic elements. You know, it has suspense, um, and I think it's a little bit of everything. But at its core, I think it's true crime. Yeah, it's a it's a very much a whodunit sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked you know I liked White Squall. I don't know if you ever saw that with Jeff Bridges oh, yeah. and stuff yeah, and I Scott like Wolf. movies. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. <laughs> and then um, did he do that movie? Yeah, that's a, did, that's a Ridley Scott movie. A Ridley, Scott, Ridley Scott movie. Yeah. Matchstick Men is actually that. pretty good with Nick Cage. That one's not too bad. Um, yeah, I, I, I liked Kingdom of Heaven, but I don't remember much about it. So that's why when everyone was writing on Twitter, that's fascinating because, yeah, I just don't remember enough about it other than like Orlando Bloom kisses his sword. And that was cool. And then I remember like bits and pieces of it. But mm-hmm. I saw it in theaters and I own it. I just it's been so, so long since I've seen it. Oh, man. No, I, for me, nothing will ever top um, Gladiator, though. I just in terms of what Ridley Scott can do. Right. And I, I know a lot it. of people like um, Blade Runner. Yeah, I fucking, I fucking hate that movie, man. I swear to God, I that is a cure for insomnia. For me, man. <laughs> I I am I am dreaming of electric sheep when I watch this. Movie. <laughs> there you go. It's, I can't um, stand it. I, Everyone I, loves it. I hate it. I like it. It's in my top 10, but I. I'm not blown away by it. I think the concept is, is what I'm more fascinated by, like what makes something human. But yeah, it's it's not the it's not the yeah, best. <laughs> I get that more from Wally, and I love Wally. Wow, I, I do Blade Runner. I oh movie fucking bugs, dude. It it puts me to sleep. It is it is borderline like original Dune for me. Like where that I is just so funny. I can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> fucking legend i love the movie Legend. that movie's yeah. terrible but i love the movie legend especially when the one little guy's like adios amigos <laughs> you're like wait a minute now <laughs> 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 this, this little fantasy guy is uh speaking in spanish there that's fantastic <laughs> love it yeah it's uh that really scene G.I. Oh, Jane. Man. She that's goes, got the suck my d <laughs> oh man yeah it's got vigo in it too yeah vigo he's Morton's the master in. chief he is. Yeah. He's a he's a kind of a piece of crap. Yeah, he's bad. Demi Moore like, got buff in that role too. Yeah, but yeah, man. So that's the that's the Ridley Scott. That's the last duel, and that's all I have to say about the war in Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. um, what are your thoughts and letter grade on this? What's your final thoughts and letter grade on this? Yeah. So again, for me, this one was just a. Uh, I think it was just it scratched the itch that I needed, man. I didn't know I needed it, but when I watched it, I really enjoyed it. I, I do think that it's it's refreshing to see this uh, sort of retelling of the same story over and over and over again to piece things together. Uh, trying, I'm kind of drawing a blank, but I, I remember Courage Under Fire was like that too. You remember where uh, trying to find out if 
if Meg Ryan really saved these people and it's multiple yeah. retellings of yeah. what happened. Um, I, I know that there's, a, there's probably a thousand movies that do this, but none come to mind other than Rashomon or fucking Courage Under Fire at the moment. Draw a blank, and I apologize, but you can yell at me later. Tell me, tell me in the comments what movies are like that. But uh, I, I like it. I find it refreshing. I like the idea of everyone having their own truth and and trying to figure out what is right. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's fun. We can't always look to the videotape to see what happened. And, uh, it, it just, uh, hit on all notes. So I enjoyed it. I'm glad that I watched it. I do want to watch it again. And, uh, I'm curious to see what I notice in my second rewatching, but yeah, uh, I think that this is a solid film. I would give it a B. I, I enjoyed it, and I encourage you to watch it. It is on HBO Max. If you have that service, definitely check it out. Yeah. Worth it. So I Googled really quick, uh, you know, movies that tell the uh, same story from multiple perspectives, and I found a Screen Rant article. So here are some Vantage Point in 2008. Oh, yeah. I hated that movie. <laughs> I know. That movie's really bad. <laughs> that, that has the lost really guy bad. in it. Yeah. The Matthew Fox, and it's got yeah, Den- Matthew Fox and, and Dennis also Quaid. Got Dennis Quaid wants, <laughs> wants coffee. coffee. Yeah. yeah. I saw that in the theater. That movie sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Snake Eyes with Nicolas Cage. That movie's not too bad. That's right. I saw that in, in Oregon and Portland of all places. It's on HBO Max right now. I that's guess. a that's a De Palma film, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't he do that? Brian De Palma. That yeah, that movie sucks too. I don't I don't mind it. The boxing one, Pulp Fiction, same kind of thing. Uh, just because you know it's a non-linear plot and maybe not exactly the same, but you do get different perspectives for sure. Uh, yeah, that yeah. I don't I don't think that one qualifies. I do think that it's it's you it's not a mystery per se. It's more of a hangout and different, just a broken up story. Right. I, I don't think it qualifies. Uh, Rashomon. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about Gone Girl, kind of the same thing too. The book more so, but Gone Girl, yeah, yeah, you you get the different perspectives in that. Th- that's true, and that one's done a little bit differently though. That one kind of does play out a little bit more linear until it shows like, uh, you know, we don't know what happened to her, right? Yeah. And then and then you see her on the run. So, but that that's another movie that I really enjoy too. I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed the shit out of that movie, and I never oh, read yeah, the book, but that movie threw me for a loop. I know. <laughs> I, uh, that one is a, it's a hard one. I, when I saw it, I was on a date, and I was like, I'm never getting married. <laughs> <laughs> this shit happens, Jesus. But see, that's one. If you read the book, I don't know how you could enjoy the movie because you know the answer. You I know did. What I, mean? I did read the book, but I still like. I, I, I was excited to see it, but I'm like, man, it still is hard to watch because Fincher is just so creepy and I love Fincher, but he's he so good. Did a very yeah. good job with it. So uh, yeah. go the movie go from 1999. That's right. You want to sell I love that movie. I mean, I, I it, it's very 90s. 100 oh, yeah. super 90s. Uh, Scott you know, and Wolf and uh, and Jay Moore and yeah. uh, Katie Holmes. Yeah. yeah, that movie is crazy. Exactly. It's probably not good. Nah. But I, I I laugh at the at the the Confederated products. <laughs> William <laughs> Fitchner or whatever. He's yeah, like William Fitchner. He's like trying to like lube himself all up and try and sell this Amway stuff. Oh man. <laughs> so funny. Um <laughs> Knives Out is another one too. Get right. different so perspectives. That's one that I didn't like. Uh everyone loved that movie and I it just it bored me to death. I wasn't I, into it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um Amores Perros. Sure. Um, I've never Saw seen that. In college. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. yeah. Dogfighting. Mm-hmm. It's one of uh, Denis Villeneuve's favorite movies, apparently. Is it Amoros Peros? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, 21 Grams with Benicio del Toro. That movie is trippy as shit. 
with Sean Penn and um, uh, The Ring. What's her goddamn yeah. name? Um, I forgot good. about that movie. Yeah. And then finally, Jackie Brown. Right. But I don't think there's any mystery in Jackie Brown. I no, think it's really. more just perspective. It is perspective, but there's no mystery there. We know she's stealing the money, and we know that she's that's her plan. You know, it's walking us through the plan and then it's reshowing it from everyone that's involved perspective. There's no real mystery there. Yeah, I agree. So I, I, I will give the fact that this, so my thoughts on last duel, it's, it's a B minus for me. Um, so, I mean, I guess that tracks pretty well with what the audience has said. Yeah. 81. Um, Yeah. And I think honestly, I raised my grade up after discussing it with you more because I do appreciate how the story was told where we all have different perspectives on things. And the only reason I would rewatch it is to find those little moments that are different in each one and try to compare them because like as an investigator, you know, I look at that and I'm like, Oh, it's actually really interesting that they did that. And I think it's great that, you know, so Matt Damon and Ben Affleck each wrote a part of the story, right? So they got to mm-hmm. write one version, like Ben Affleck did Adam driver's version. And then um, the screenwriter for it, I forgot her name, Nicole something, uh, yeah, Nicole Holof Center, I think is how you say your name. Uh, she wrote the Jodie Comer part, which is actually fascinating and it's good because, you know, it's not just men writing this shit. It's it's an actual woman. And so uh, she knocked it out of the park and it's really it's it's a lot. <laughs> but I, I enjoy your notes. You have written and directed by Ridley Scott. So that's what I read. So we'll have to, you have to fix my that. fault. I, I reused I reused the. um. Uh, but yes, this film was written by um, Matt Damon, uh, Ben Affleck, and Nicole Hall of Center. So pretty, pretty, pretty good. Based right on there. the book by Eric Yeager. It or is? Jagger. Yeah. Oh, based on Jagger. the book Push by Sapphire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's the last duel. But, um, oh my gosh, check this out. So I clicked on Eric uh, Jagger mm-hmm. and the the author or like he's known for most notorious a true crime history podcast and it says self author the last duel okay so How then yeah crazy true is crime that? true crime very, very cool boom very cool <laughs> very cool i'm i'm proud of that i'm That's proud cool. of that yeah good job i Thank it makes you. a lot more sense i mean when you think of it in that aspect i think true crime really sums it up that's a that's a that's a good way to put it for sure so i like it yeah. Is that the show? Is that it? Are we done? That is it. All right. So the show is half the time of the actual movie. So that's good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, what? No, that fuck that. that. I'm not trying to do a two and a half hour podcast. <laughs> so I can keep going, man. No I'm hopped way. up. Hopped up. Hopped on, up. On DP. I need a cupcake. I need some sugar. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you for listening to the Don't Be You're Crazy welcome, podcast. You're Zach. I had a great time talking <laughs> Me too. To you. It was great. Oh, my gosh. I know. We talked a lot about mullets, and we talked a lot about French accents, yes. and murder. Who saw my clay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where are my keys? <laughs> uh, please remember. <laughs> please remember to follow us on Twitter at dbcrazypod. Uh, Justin read some tweets from that, and that was really cool. We love everybody interacting with us. You can also follow Edgy Armo and Zachdale60. Uh, you can share all your thoughts. You can give us suggestions. You can tell us what you liked, what you didn't liked about the sh- what you didn't like about the show, all that kind of stuff. 
and you can suggest films for other viewings. We do ask that they are streaming, so it makes it a lot easier. And again, this movie is on HBO Max, so if you got it, check it out. Please uh, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review that helps us immensely. Additionally, we're also available on every other major podcast app. Please also be sure to check out the Geek Legacy Podcast with David, Randy, and Justin. Just please don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.